Good morning, Uncommon Church. It's good to see you. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Josh Martinez. I am the care pastor here at Uncommon Church. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a wonderful opportunity. I want to thank Pastor Brad and Josie for allowing me the opportunity to speak to you today. I also want to thank them for giving me the opportunity to speak the weekend that the Astros are whooping up on the Rangers and the week after my team of people who aren't going to make the roster beat the Cowboys team of people who aren't going to make the roster. So man, just what a perfect opportunity for me to get up and completely ruin everything I'm going to say after this moment. Uh, I did want to say, it's funny, my son, I don't know where he gets this from. He is a trash talker. Jackson talked so much trash after that football game. I took him to the Cowboys game and you know, we won at the last second and really who cares, but he started trash talking everybody that he saw with a Cowboys jersey on. It was, he, said, he saw a, a guy with an Ezekiel Elliott jersey on. He's like, yeah, he was so scared he didn't want to play us tonight. And I was like, no, dude, it's, it's preseason. They don't let the expensive guys, they don't let the expensive guys play during preseason. And he looked at a guy in a Romo jersey. I don't even know who that guy is. And I was like, that's just because you watch the playoffs, son. And Romo, Romo didn't make the playoffs a lot. Hold on, hold on, I'm getting to it. Then he saw somebody in a number 12 jersey. And I, I saw him, he was ready. He was about to give his best trash talk and I just put my hand on his shoulder. I said, son, there's two men we don't mess with up here. Number 34, Nolan Ryan, and number 12, Roger Staubach. You leave them alone. Those are the best people there. Those are Texan men. We don't mess with number 12. We don't mess with number 34, but the, he got all that trash talk from his mother. I don't... I don't really know where that came from. Today, the Lord has led me to talk about something that's gonna make people uncomfortable. And it's that discomfort that lets me know God has led me to talk about this today. Today, we are going to talk about the importance of mental health in the church, okay? Specifically, the response of the church to mental health issues, According to the National Alliance on Mental Health, or NAMI, approximately one in five adults, 43.8 million adults each year, struggle or experience with mental illness in some way, shape, or form. Many of those individuals, they turn to their church or their place of faith for spiritual guidance, for their time of emotional distress. But unfortunately, there is still a stigma in the church attached to mental illness inside of Christianity. There's still that stigma. The prevailing culture of silence along with misguided attitudes and erroneous expectations often cause suffering believers to feel shamed, blamed, or very unsupported. So what that means is there's a lot of very good Christ-centered people that suffer alone in silence. Recent statistics from NAMI also show that approximately one in 25 adults, 9.8 million U.S. adults, experience a serious mental illness in a, in a year that substantially interferes or limits one or more of their major life activities. And 18.1% of adults in the United States experience an anxiety disorder, such as PTSD, obsessive compulsive disorder, or specific phobias. I'm telling you all that to say, 
mental health is an issue in America. Me, I'm tired of it being swept under the rug. So today we're gonna face this issue head on. We're gonna talk about some biblical people that have also experienced some things like this, but at the end of the day, what I want is I want you to know that there is victory in God. There is victory in Jesus over your mental illness today. Father, we thank you for what you have given me, where you have led me to speak from today. And God, these are your words. They are not mine. So God, I pray that we can open our hearts and we can open our mind, our body, our spirit to receive the word that you want to give to your people today. And God, we just are so thankful for what you are going to do, not for what can be done, but for what you are going to do in this service today. Freedom in your name, amen. See, very recently, the issue of mental health became very personal to me. This young man is Nick. He was a family friend of mine. I knew him his whole life, 26 years old. He was my childhood pastor's grandson. I was there when they announced that they were pregnant with him. I was in the room when he was, not in the room when he was born, that's weird, but I was there when he was dedicated. I was at the hospital when he was born. I, we grew up together. I was his youth pastor I took him, his brother, my cousins. We went to youth services. We went to youth camps. We went to our talent competitions for Pentecostal Church of God together. We spent all kinds of hours, hours and hours, hundreds to thousands of hours together. When I moved away to college, these guys came and they stayed with me and experienced a little bit of college life with youth pastor Josh, okay? We didn't do anything crazy. But for a huge period of my life, that guy was there. He was at every church service. He was at every birthday party. He was at every church get together. He was on every fishing trip. August 11th, two and a half weeks ago, my oldest brother, who is now the pastor of our childhood church where uh, this family, where we all knew each other from, my oldest brother called me. And uh, you guys know those phone calls that as soon as you hear their voice, you know. You just know, you know something's going on. As soon as I heard Rick's voice, I knew something terrible had happened. And he began to weep as he told me that Nick, our friend, our little brother, had shot himself in the chest. I was on the road. It was the first day of school for my boys. And I was on the road to go and pick them up I just began to weep. I honestly, even though it was just a quick drive down Midway, I don't remember the drive. I just remember anguish and despair over me and and my thoughts for the family. I I couldn't keep it together. You know, Nick was a 26 year old man. Okay, I I have to get the kid out of my mindset because that's all I ever saw him as. But He was a 26-year-old man who walked away with church hurt. So he, he left the church and he left community. He didn't have anybody that he could rely on. In fact, as far as we know, he never opened up to anybody about the struggles that he was going through. Now, I'm not saying that that would have saved his life, okay? But it sure is easier to go through your struggles when you have community around you. 
See, that's why we stress and we push you groups so hard around here. It's not just for job security for me because that's one of the things that I do every day. It's because you need good community to walk you through your difficult times, be it COVID, be it sickness, be it family stress, mental health issues. Your you group is there to walk beside you in love and to help you through your hard time. I implore you today, if you are not in community via you group at Uncommon Church, please, we have pamphlets that we'll have available after service and we have all these tables, 16 of them, that you can go and sign up to join community at Uncommon Church. Please go do that, not right now, that would be rude. <laughs> now the only thing worse, obviously, than the earth shattering news that, that somebody I looked at as my little brother had, had fatally killed himself was the fact that I was literally getting this news in front of my boy's school. That's not the kind of emotion you can hide from a nine and a six year old. And for those of you who don't know Jackson very well, he is one of the most sensitive kids on the face of this planet, very sensitive to the Holy Spirit, operates in prophetic and, and in prayer at nine years old. And when he saw me, he just knew and, and he just reached over and grabbed my hand. And I remember just saying, guys, you know, they asked me what happened and I told him and I said, it doesn't matter that you're only nine and six years old. And, and how sad that we have to talk about that at this day and age with nine and six-year-olds. But I told them, boys, if you are ever going through anything, you come to me, you come to your mom, you go to your uncle Jeff, find somebody. I don't care who it is. And you let them know that there is something going on. Let us help you. Don't keep it. I came back to the church with the boys. I left them in the car with the air conditioning running. It is Texas. And Lene was still sitting in her office and I just, I just broke. I just wept. I didn't, I didn't know what else to do with that moment besides just go through that pain, those emotions of this tragic thing that had just happened. I had never had something like this happen in my circle before. I have been in church all my life. I know other families that this has happened to, but it had never happened to me. And I came to two realizations that day. The first realization, and I want everyone to hear this, mental health issues are real. Sometimes they are brought on by demonic depression, demonic oppression, but sometimes they're due to chemical issues and brain composition. Sometimes they're due to severe trauma and stress. Whatever the reason for the mental health issue, the fact of the matter is they are there. And secondly, I learned that day that I have one of the best teams of pastors that the church has to offer. Brad and Josie, yeah, give them a round of applause. That, that's an okay place to clap. Brad and Josie, Brad was my first phone call after I called Lene. And him and Josie, they just, they were very present in the days after this tragedy and they, were, they walked me through it, talked with me. Um, I'm always gonna be thankful to you guys from the bottom of my heart for being there for me. During my time of grief, Anna Warren, she is my pastor on Wednesday night presence and prayer. And I was supposed to sing 
that night, two hours from this conversation with my brother when I found out and I just called Anna and said, hey, I can't, I can't do it. And instead of shaming me or acting like I was being a huge inconvenience for her and her team, which I was, but she wasn't gonna say that in that moment. She gave me all the grace and all the compassion and prayed for me and just had all the love. And I'm thankful to Anna. And of course, Jeff, our executive pastor, our worship pastor and my brother-in-law. Side note, some of you don't realize that my wife and Jeff are brother and sister. I don't know if you just don't look at faces because they have the exact same face. Jeff just literally has a beard and shorter hair. Like, Anyway, Jeff and Lene are brother and sister. Jeff, that day, my brother-in-law, executive pastor, worship pastor, he wrapped me in a hug. Of course, he knew Nick also just through the years of growing up together. And he stepped in and he, he picked up where I was supposed to lead that night at Presence and Prayer. And these leaders, my leaders, they were there for me in ways that I could not have imagined that day. They allowed me to be real. They allowed me to be raw. They allowed me to be angry. They allowed me to be emotional. And they stood beside me during that time so that I would not be alone. And I want everybody in this room and everybody at home, sorry, online, I haven't said hello to you yet. I want you to understand something today. You are not alone. God the Father is with you and you have a community full of people in this room who are here for you. We have a room full of people today who have battled mental health issues. Many of them have already won their battle. Some of them are still in the middle of their battle and some their battle has just begun. But whatever place you find yourself on that spectrum, please understand one thing about Uncommon Church. You are welcome here. You don't believe me? I want you to look at this statement. Go ahead. It's okay to clap. Look at this statement. We welcome everyone. That doesn't say we welcome Christians. That doesn't say we welcome those who have their lives together. That doesn't say we welcome those with healthy marriages. It says everyone. Come in your mess. Come as you are because you are welcome at Uncommon Church and we want to make you feel like you belong. It is so important to us to make everyone feel welcome at Uncommon Church that it's literally the first point on our Uncommon Church culture page that we give out at Growth Track. It is the most important culture point to our church. Doesn't matter where you're at in your life right now, you have a place at Uncommon Church. You are not judged, you are not shamed, you are welcome, you are loved, you are God's. And if you can't believe that last statement, I need you to understand that before you leave this room today. Because literally nothing else that I'm gonna say for the rest of this message is gonna matter if you can't wrap your head around the fact that God loves you and you belong to him. See, John 3, 16 and 17 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world. Yeah. 
And that is my goal this morning in this message. My goal is, guys, I cannot fix your mental health issue. I am not a therapist. I am not a counselor. I'm a guy that has a microphone. That's my only credential today is this microphone, okay? I'm not here to fix your problems, but I want to direct you to the one who intricately created your mind. That is my goal here today, okay? Now, to show you that you are not alone in this battle, I want to show you four people in the Bible who had struggles with depression or anxiety at different points in scriptures, okay? My note takers, write these down. The first person who had battles with stress, anxiety, depression, King David, okay? In many of the Psalms, he writes of his anguish, his loneliness, his fear of the enemy, his heart cry over sin and the guilt that he struggled with because of that. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, we also see the huge grief and loss he suffered over the loss of his sons. In other places, David's honesty with his own weakness, it gives hope to us who struggle today. Psalms 38 and four, David said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. His guilt overwhelmed him as a burden too heavy to bear, okay? Let's talk about another one, Elijah. After the great spiritual battles that Elijah had over the prophets of Baal, this mighty man of God, he feared and ran for his life far away from the threats of Jezebel. And there, when he was in the desert and he was exhausted and he was afraid for his life, he sat down and he prayed, defeated and worn. And he said, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am not better than my ancestors. Obviously, we're gonna talk about Job, okay? If you've read the Bible before, you know Job. He's probably had the most bout of depression and anxiety in biblical history, okay? And he was a righteous man of God who literally lost everything, literally lost everything. And so great was his suffering and tragedy that even his own wife, said, are you still holding on to your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? My wife has been very agitated with me before. She's never once told me to curse God and die. Honey, thank you for being a woman of God. I appreciate you for not telling me to curse God and die. That's pretty, that's pretty stressful words. Though Job maintained his faithfulness to God throughout his entire life, he still struggled deeply through the trenches of pain. Job chapter three, he said, why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Later in Job three, he said, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. In Job chapter 10, he says, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint and speak out to the bitterness of my soul. Job 30 he says, terrors overwhelm me. My life ebbs away. Days of suffering, they grip me. Night pierces my bones and gnawing pains never rest. Sounds like the kind of guy you wanna hang out with. And then the last guy that I wanna talk about, Moses. All right? And Moses' feelings of anger and betrayal from his own people, Moses, as a leader, was ready to quit. He was ready to give it all away. 
He came down from his mountaintop experience with God, commandments in hand, only to find the Israelites in complete chaos and sin. So Moses came down from the mountaintop like Brad and Josie coming back from California. But what he saw wasn't a group of people sitting together and worshiping God. They saw a group of people in complete chaos and sin. And it just overwhelmed Moses with grief. But his heart cried to God on the, the Israelites' behalf was this. And he said in Exodus 32, but now please forgive their sin. If not, then blot me out of the book that you have written. Now, here's what's true about all of these stories and many others like them in the Bible, okay? Here's what's true about these four people. No matter what things they were going through, God was right there with them. God was close to them. God was near to them. Psalms 34 and 18, the scripture tells us that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in the spirit. See, God was there in the good days, but he was there in the dark days too. God didn't condemn them for their questions or for their pain. He didn't tell them to just tough it out. No, no, no. God reached down into their deepest pit of despair and their suffering and he lifted them out because God cared. He showed compassion to these people. He offered mercy to these people. He brought hope to those people. He instilled purpose and he gave victory to those people. And he still works the same way today. He is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change his ways, okay? I have another story for you. Back end of last year, Lene and I had a friend, some of you know this friend, who reached out, called at 1130 at night. 1130 at night, that's late. We're getting past the late time there. I was in my PJs and ready to wrap up the evening. Kids were asleep. You guys know that, that peace when the kids are finally asleep. You know what I mean? The boys are in their room. They're asleep. Rylan's not running through the house doing laps anymore. The baby was good and asleep. It was peaceful. It was, a, it was good. We get a phone call at 1130 at night, and I showed Lene the phone and who it was, and she immediately started to pray. And I answered the phone, and I said, hey, you okay? And the desperation that I heard on the other end of the phone, I was not ready for. And this person said, no, I'm not okay. I need to come over and I need to come over now. Okay, come on over. When this person showed up, you could see life all over him. They were worn down. They were mentally exhausted. Not much hope left. So Lene and I, we prayed with this person. We embraced this person. We had this person sit down. We called their spouse. Their spouse had been out with some people celebrating a, a birthday or something, I forget. But we called the spouse and said, hey, they're here. Just want you to know kind of what's going on. And the spouse got there as quick as they could. And then we talked. We laughed. 
we cried, we listened, and then we watched Netflix (laughs) till about three o'clock in the morning. It's that community that I'm talking about. Not because it was my job to do that. Not because we have a savior complex, but because Lene and I, we love people. Lene and I, we are a safe place. Lene and I, we don't shame you for what you're going through. And I'm happy that that friend is still with us and doing better than they ever have before. And that's only because God stepped in and took control of that situation. See, Lene and I, we were just there. Church, let me explain something to you. You do not have to have the answer when somebody comes to you with a problem. You don't have to have the right thing to say. You don't have to, there's a lot of wrong things you can say. A lot of wrong things you can say, okay? Uh, Why don't you have more faith? Why don't you pray a little more? Those are the wrong things at that moment to say, okay? Let's Let's not do that. But the right thing to say is, thank you for telling me. I'm here for you. God loves you. I love you. And just be there. Community, it's what we talked about earlier. Community is what is going to save lives. The reality is, guys, we have been through, everyone's tired of talking about it, I know, but just bear with me. We've been through a lot of stuff since March, 2020. A lot of stuff. Everybody, I don't care who you are in this room, you have been affected by COVID-19 and the period of lockdown and the solitude away from your friends and from your loved ones. Everybody in this room was affected by that. Some were affected a lot more than others, but we were all affected by that. To prepare for this message, I spoke with Dr. Cassie Reed from the King's University. She's gonna actually be speaking at our parents' summit in October. So I highly encourage you parents of teenagers and down, sign up for the parents' summit. She's over at the counseling department at TKU and she said something that really shook my reality. You know those counselor, doctorate, way too smart people types, they just say things and it's not like maybe earth shattering, but it just makes so much sense because they have a doctor in front of their name. It, it just blew my mind. She said, Josh, we are trying to make 2019 people out of 2021 people. You can't put people back into 2019. The reality is COVID happened. Lockdown happened. We have gone through a period of political unrest, racial unrest, economic unrest, Taliban taken back over, Haiti earthquake, floods right now in Tennessee, and there's a hurricane coming to New Orleans. There's turmoil and and despair all around us, okay? We are a different people now than we were in 2019, but all that we talk about is trying to get back to normal, getting back to where we were two years ago. It's not gonna happen. 2019 is gone. Because I'm going to be honest with you, if we're going to go back and put America to any year, it wouldn't be 2019. (laughs) I'd go a little further back, all right? 
the 1990s, TGI Friday, <laughs> ABC Saturday morning. That's where I'm going back to, baby. The millennials just fell in love with me. But that doesn't mean just because we've been through something that we give up and quit. No, it means that we need to fight for what is right and for what is true like never before. The battle lines have been drawn and now we, the church, we have to decide how we are going to respond. The enemy is trying to break the church down from the inside out by attacking our mental health in record numbers. That's what he's coming after. But church, we don't need to run from this battle. We don't need to hide from this battle. We don't need to hide from one another. If you can't trust your brother and sister in Christ, who can you trust? That's why we do church. I hear people all the time, I don't need to go to church to be saved. Fine, you're right, fine. But it's the sheep off to the side that's always the one that gets picked off first by the wolf. When you're in a pack, it's a lot harder to come after you and take you away from the group. That's why church is important. That's why community is important. We have to have the boldness to face this fight, to remove the shame and the stigma from mental health issues in the church. We need to stand firm with one another to tell the enemy that he cannot take from us what God gave to us. What our world desperately needs right now Joy givers, hope bringers, those in our lives who will help us remember what real grace is and where lasting help is found. The last thing that anybody needs when they're going through any kind of crisis, but specifically a mental health crisis, is to be told that they need to pray more or to have more faith. It's the last thing anybody needs to be told, okay? Please don't ever say that. I love you. What they need in that moment is someone to listen. What they need is someone to sit with them, sometimes in silence. You don't have to say anything. Your presence can oftentimes be enough. Sometimes you sit in silence as the moments pass and they can come back to themselves. You don't have to try to understand what they're going to, and this one's also important. Quit trying to dig for details. It's not the time to gossip. I thank God for Uncommon Church. We don't hear a lot of gossip at Uncommon Church. I'm very thankful to you people for taking our no drama policy very seriously. And we love each other. We don't gossip about one another. That's one of my favorite things about this church. The majority of us, myself included, are not mental health professionals in any way. Okay? The truth is this. We have a savior who understands our pain. He knows our every weakness and hurt and he reaches out with compassion and with hope. Isaiah 53, four tells us that Jesus carried our weakness and it was our sorrows that weighed him down. Jesus didn't just die on the cross for your sin. He wore every weakness and sorrow to the cross with him. Jesus doesn't just care about your physical state, he also cares about your mental state because he is the healer, he is the redeemer, he is your restorer, and most importantly, he's your friend. 
He will never waste the seasons of suffering that you face, but will use it in some way to bring good, to instill purpose, to help others, to make us stronger. I truly believe in my heart of hearts that God will use my buddy Nick's story to help save someone else's life. That by hearing this story, they will make a decision today to ask for help and to seek out somebody in this church that you can trust, that you can depend on to talk with and to pray with. Uncommon church, simply what I'm trying to say, we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. That's our call. That's who we are. We need to love. We need to listen and when necessary, protect those who have come to us for prayer and for help. Depression is common, yet it's very treatable. It's a very treatable condition that affects many people in our world. However, statistics tell us that only about one third of those who are depressed actually receive treatment. 33% of people who are actually depressed go and seek treatment. That's really sad because statistics also show that of that 33% of people that actually go and get help, 80 to 90% of those report feeling better with just a few weeks time. 80 to 90% feel better just by reaching out and seeking treatment for their problem. It's also known that depression is the linked cause for over two thirds of suicides reported each year. Help is available. Don't feel the need to try to hide your pain or to struggle through on your own. Talk to a friend, talk to a counselor, come find me. I don't care if it's 1130, I've learned. Answer the phone at 1130 at night. Call me. Seek out professional treatment or care. If you find yourself today in a dark place, please know that you are not alone. Never, ever, not ever are you alone. God knows your path. He is with you always and he still has good in store for you. I put together a list of resources for everybody in this room today. When we go to our altar time, there will be up on the side screen. And I also had Tyler make some handouts that are in the back. Okay, these are not the only resources available. I wanna make that clear, but this is just a good place to start. I have a list of four podcasts that would be good for you to listen to. I have a list of four books that it would be good for you to read. And I have four counseling centers that are in the DFW area that are available for you. We also have Freedom Track that starts in just two weeks time. Please go through Freedom Track. If you have been struggling to let go of anything from your past, not just mental health issues, anything, fear, rejection, anxiety, church hurt, please come through Freedom Track. It will change your life. I promise you that. Romans 12, two says, 
do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Stand with me. If I could please have the altar team go ahead and come down to the front. These are the resources available. You can take a picture of it if you want, or you can get them at the back by the connect table. Uncommon Church, we are okay with your mess. Big mess, small mess. I've got an 18 month old. I'm okay with big messes. We want to meet you where you are and connect you with the resources that you need. We wanna make sure that if you're struggling, if you need someone to talk to, or if you want prayer, that you get the help you need. Remember, everyone is welcome at Uncommon Church, everyone. And you are welcome free of shame, free of guilt, free of judgment. We treat you that way because that's how Jesus treats us. See, Jesus gave us the freedom to come to him to not feel shame. Jesus wants us to come to him guilt-free. He just wants us to come to him. Because in Jesus, we find hope. In Jesus, we find peace. In Jesus, we find victory. Don't let your thoughts or fears control you any longer. Bring them to Jesus because in Jesus, we have already won. You've already defeated. Now it's time to bring it to Him. We want you to feel comfortable talking with and opening up with our prayer team today. We also want you to ask about any of the resources that we put available today. But for some of you in the room and for some of you online, your first resource needs to be Jesus. That's the first resource that you need is Jesus in your heart, okay? Maybe it's the first time that you've asked him to be the Lord of your life, or maybe it's the first time in a long time, okay? But I want us to all pray this prayer together. However, before we pray, I would like to know who I'm praying for. If it's the first time or the first time in a long time that you have prayed the salvation prayer, please raise your hand so we know who we need to pray for today. Do I see any hands? I see you in the back. All right, praise God. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see you in the back. Hey, two people. Two people found their first resource and that is Jesus Christ. Online, it's up to you. You can go and you can fill out our online connect card. You can text Jesus to the number that they're gonna put up on the screen. We wanna hear from you. We want you to know that Jesus loves you. He is there for you. He will not shame you. Please make sure you fill out the connect card. In just a minute, we want you who just raised your hand in service to come pray with our prayer team. And we want you to screw in a light bulb and we wanna celebrate your newfound freedom in Jesus Christ. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I died to my old life so that I can live for you. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. 
I receive the gift of eternal life. Jesus, be the Lord of my life and the lover of my soul. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you gave your heart to Jesus, we are so proud of you today. We are so proud of you today.